Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and I'm going to get things started and walk through the order with you today. So first, to cover our bases, I'm going to mention a quick softball update. Then we have my interview with today's guest, Kehlani Ricketts, a future Tokyo Olympian. Actually, we played against each other in college when she was a stud at Oklahoma, so that'll be fun. And then we'll round it out with the double play tip of the week, the physical and mental tips to help us keep getting better. So here we go. To cover our bases, I want to lead off the pod with a little throwback. So the SEC Network has been replaying old games. And honestly, it feels really good to just watch college softball on TV. But they replayed the 2012 Women's College World Series final this week, featuring Kehlani, actually. Oklahoma and Alabama were playing. This was my senior year of college. So it brought back some memories, especially having faced both teams at different times back then. I know I talk a lot about how much the game has changed and grown, but to be honest, I just kept laughing at the fact that Oklahoma was wearing shorts, especially on that big of a stage. It really brought me back to the days growing up where we had just the weird tan lines. You know what I'm talking about. We had our shorts, our sliding shorts underneath, the long socks, maybe some knee pads, and we're walking around with zebra stripes on our legs. If we wore shorts out in real life, people would see us strutting around and just have really confused looks on their faces. Like how could anyone only be tan from above the knee to the middle of the thigh? Just why? And the only other people who could really relate to us were soccer players because they had the shorts and the long socks too. But needless to say, I was relieved when the pants were here to stay. Although I will say that Team USA used to wear shorts back in the day and they brought home gold medals. So there's that. But for Oklahoma, it was actually raining a lot during this game. So to be wearing shorts in the rain is also kind of just a hilarious concept. And the sparkly headbands, you know, they were a nice touch too. So it was a good dose of nostalgia for me, just keeping it light. And what a great primer for my conversation with Kehlani. So now let's head into the interview. She is a current member of Team USA, gold medalist in the Pan American Games and the Japan Cup last year, back-to-back collegiate player of the year at Oklahoma, four-time All-American, two-time Big 12 Pitcher of the Year, and national champion Kehlani Ricketts. Thank you for joining. Yes, of course. Thanks for having me. I know. I'm a little bit out of breath on your intro alone, though, so hopefully <laughs> I can finish the rest of it's funny, our I interview. funny. I forget about all that stuff. It's like, wow, I guess that isn't helpful. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Well, you're humble. But even with all of that stuff being said, I kind of want to start with the hard-hitting stuff, I got to say. I okay. saw your Instagram bio says God Family Chocolate, and to be honest, that's kind of like the vibe I'm going for in life. Ooh, yep. That's my mindset in life. <laughs> I love it so much. So we'll, we'll get to God and family. Those are obviously very important. But first, mm-hmm. I need to know what kind of chocolate. 
dark chocolate, the darker, the better, the richest, the better. <laughs> My point is like probably 85%, but 88%. I will do 90, 92 at times, but yeah, I, pre I prefer the 85 to 88%. <laughs> wow. So I'm dark chocolate too. And anyone that knows me knows that I'm a huge chocoholic. Love nice. it. Yep. <laughs> but I feel like I'd say like 72% maybe is like my sweet spot, okay. maybe a little more yeah. like 75. But you, yeah. you know, being over 85%, that's maybe that's why you struck me out in college. You have a higher <laughs> chocolate tolerance than me. You know, <laughs> I was more of a milk chocolate person back then. But I don't know how, why maybe just as I got older, I just like even I, it might have been when I started drinking wine when I got older too. And then I just started going with darker chocolate. But yeah, I gave it up for Lent. And so this past weeks after Easter, I've just been going to town because I've been saving up all the chocolate for the past 48 days that were in Lent. And so, and so I had all this chocolate like stored up and I've just been going to town on it. So <laughs> it's a good thing I gave it up though. I didn't think I'd be able to. Honestly, we might be the same person with this because <laughs> I also, so I also, every year for Lent, I also give up sweets. Mm -hmm. And you know, like, okay, for people who don't know that are listening, Lent is the Easter season for us Catholics. Mm -hmm. It's all about Jesus. It's about 40 days from Ash Wednesday into Easter Sunday, and you're, you're giving something up, right? And it's like- The studio is a little longer this year. I know. I know. It is. It, I feel <laughs> like, like we keep sneaking that. I know. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you're supposed to sacrifice something, and it's supposed to, like, help you reflect on Jesus's sacrifice. It's supposed to be serious. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so sometimes I feel like people are like, well, don't just give up chocolate, you know, do something a little more. And I'm like, yeah, but chocolate is serious for me. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, yeah. it does make That's me exactly reflect. how I am. <laughs> I listened to this one podcast. It's called uh, Catholic Stuff You Should Know, and it's like these priests doing the podcast, and like, they're just, they're really chill about everything, and they're talking about, like, what you should give up for Lent. And they're like, uh, if you're going to give up chocolate again, and I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. But then I was thinking about it and I'm just like, no, it's serious. It's like one of those things I need every day. And I'm like, I need to give it up because I don't need it. So I surprised myself being able to go the whole time without, well, I ate it one time. I'm not going to try to lie and say that I didn't, but <laughs> it was one time after the pandemic and my husband was like, oh, it's okay if you break your Lent thing. I mean, there's a, there's a crisis going on. And so I was like, okay, I'll have a bite of your chocolate ice cream. But that was it. I promise. <laughs> well, ice cream, that's next level. Chocolate ice cream. Oh, yeah. Especially mm -hmm. during this time. Seems so good right now. <laughs> For real. And so it sounds like your husband does support your chocolate habit. He does because he's a chocoholic too. So <laughs> we that's love some chocolates and chocolate ice cream. There's this place out here. It's called Freddy's Custard. Have you ever heard of it? No. So I had first seen it when I came out to Oklahoma. They have it in Kansas and I saw it in Florida. I don't know how many states that Freddy's is at, but they have like this custard ice cream and it's incredible. They, it's like, they have like dark chocolate fudge, chocolate ice cream, brownies. So it's like a chocoholic stream. <laughs> well, I know where I'm going next time I find myself in Oklahoma. Yes, if you ever see that <laughs> Freddy sign, you need to get that. <laughs> That's amazing. It's turned into like that. a chocolate podcast. I love it. I know. Hey, we're, we're pivoting. You know, it's yes, a pandemic. It's you gotta make adjustments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are you good about not eating meat on Fridays too? It was a lot easier this year with all this stuff happening right now. So I know like in the past, especially in college. So obviously like Friday night is the night before the game. And so 
usually the meal plans are like, all right, carb up, spaghetti, chicken parmesan. <laughs> and so I could just remember myself just like picking off the outside of the chicken parmesan, like eating the fried part and the noodles. I'm like, this probably isn't that much better. <laughs> and so I've gotten better. This year is probably the best I did. Sometimes I'll forget and I'll be having bacon for breakfast. I'm like, what did I just do? But this year it was with not a lot of stuff going on. It was easier to be able to simplify it. I know Lent started before we went on this whole hiatus and everything. And so actually Kat Osterman was doing no meat on Friday. So we were kind of like keeping each other in check with that. So that was cool having the accountability partner with that. But yeah, it's, it's usually tough in softball season. <laughs> it is. I, that's such a good point. I remember doing team meals in college and I feel like we'd always go to like a steakhouse on Friday and it's like, well, yeah. great. <laughs> like, yes, I'll order the fish, you know, like, I don't yeah. It's been nice that with USA, we have a few pescatarians on the team. We have had vegans in the past. And so every time we'll have meal options, it's always to like try to please everyone's taste buds because it's crazy how different everyone's taste buds are on the team. So it's been good with that. There's always those kind of options when we would go out. <laughs> yeah. And at least uh, if you and Kat were both, other than obviously you're on the same page, both playing for Team mm -hmm. USA, but it's kind of nice to not have that Oklahoma, Texas, you know, rivalry. You can both just like team up and make sure, hey, don't eat red meat today. <laughs> don't eat poultry. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the rivalry comes out and it gets a little bit ugly when we're talking crap to each other, but <laughs> for the most part, it's about USA. <laughs> yeah, as it should be. Speaking of, what are you up to right now? You know, given all this stuff, I know you said you're kind of trying to fill your days more mm -hmm. however you can. So what are you doing? Basically, my days have been working out and Zoom meetings or working out on Zoom. And so it's been a lot of Zoom or workouts or pitching by myself in the backyard. That's pretty much it. I was giving lessons before in, in the off season. I was giving lessons out here in Oklahoma. But now that with facilities locking down and stuff, so I've gotten used to giving virtual lessons on Zoom and stuff. And so that's been cool to see the girls kind of buying in. And then I'm able to a lot of the girls that actually had to travel like over an hour to come see me. So it's actually easier for them. I'm like, okay, well maybe I could do this after this is all done for you guys. Now that I'm getting the hang of it. And so I've been doing that and just some kind of zoom meeting in a way. I know with USA, we, the girls, we keep trying to keep in contact with each other. So we've been having team meetings every Tuesday. We've been calling it Ted talk Tuesday. <laughs> and so it's been actually really, it's been hilarious. It's been really informative and it's been awesome to be able to see them every week. And so every week, you know, like we'll touch base on anything we need to talk about with the team and then it'll be someone's turn to go. And they, it's like, they give their little Ted talk for us. And so it's been really cool that because there's so many girls on our team that everyone just has a different type of background and a different type of feel that they're so knowledgeable in. So to be able to hear something that they're passionate about and they're informing us and things that like we could try to implement in our lives has been really cool to see. That's awesome. Because this time kind of sucks. Like in general, I think everyone feels like they're missing out on something, but at the same time, there are opportunities to get really creative like that. Mm -hmm. um, and for you guys as a team, it's so important to stay connected. So to find like ways to do that, that are interesting too. Like you talk, like you said, you talk about softball, but you guys might just kind of talk about other things too, just to have that camaraderie still going. Yeah, for sure. Because we went from like most softball teams, we were seeing each other every single day, almost every moment of the day, and then <laughs> completely cut off the next day. And it's like, wait, what? It's like, we're still supposed to be building towards something. And so 
I think we were all kind of having withdrawals in a way. And so I think it was Haley McClendley that thought of this up. And so it's been really cool to be able to keep in contact with them. And then a few of us will do workouts on Zoom, like I was talking about. And it's kind of a cool time for us right now. You know, it sucks that we have so much time until the Olympics next year. But then in a way, you know, we're trying to find new workouts to keep ourselves entertained. You know, we're used to doing the weightlifting in the gym or doing this sprints and stuff with each other as a team. And so right now, since we don't have the luxury of a gym or seeing each other, we're finding ways to do at-home workouts. And so we've been doing like boxing workouts together, which I've never done boxing before. <laughs> and we found this boxing Instagram. And so it's like me, Ali Carta, uh, Kelly Crutchman's in there, Sam Fisher, and just a few of our friends, Jordan Taylor, Kat, and a few of their friends are in on the Zoom call. And so it's just like a big workout group as if like we're in a workout room at a gym. And so it's re been really fun to do that. And I look forward to that every week as well. That's so cool. It's just so many birds with one stone. It's like, okay, social interaction, check. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, teammates, check. Working out, check. You know, like it's Oh yeah, that's great. for sure. Because the first few weeks, I don't know about you, but I was feeling kind of gloomy <laughs> and I was just watching Netflix. And I remember the first day we came back from USA, I woke up and usually it's like when I'm home and it's like, wake up, work out and like get stuff out of the way in the morning. But then it's like, I woke up that morning and I'm just like, I have nothing to do. Like, so then I just went back to sleep yeah. <laughs> and then I woke up again. And I was like, I don't, should I just watch Netflix? <laughs> and so it was just kind of weird going through the first few weeks, not knowing what the future was everything was so unknown and so it's been nice at least the past few weeks to be able to try to find a somewhat routine and still get to talk with the girls and look forward to stuff every week you can all process it together which is nice mm -hmm. it just yeah not so just much alone <laughs> yeah exactly because i mean and you had to process really big news right i'm sure you've gotten this question a million times recently but what was it like to hear the news about the olympics and something you've been building so much towards has now changed and been pushed out further the biggest thing was was especially with softball you know we've been waiting until 2020 especially since the 08 olympics it's just like everyone's been waiting until this time and so you see 2020 and like whenever you hear 2020 the year 2020 it's just so much excitement for the softball world and so for it to actually be the year 2020, obviously everyone is so excited in the Olympic year and with everything happening and it being pushed back, I mean, I think in a way I'm just like, at least it's not canceled because that was kind of the things that we were hearing on the news that they should cancel the Olympics. And so oh, yeah. that was just the biggest sense of relief that they're still putting the Olympics on. And then for it to be pushed back to 2021 when everyone is thinking about you know, obviously there's going to be a big change in the softball world after the Olympics. No one knew what was going to happen with the professional league. People were planning on retiring. And so I think everyone was still trying to figure out what was going to happen in 2021 and moving on after the Olympics since we've been waiting so long. And so I think for it to be pushed off another year, at first I was just like, another year? Like, what am I going to, what am I going to do? Like, we were all planning on moving on after this. And then after like actually processing and everything, it's just like, okay, well, we've waited this long. We know yeah. what the waiting game is like. If anything, the sport of softball knows what that's like. So true. I mean, yeah, it's just, and it's just another off season kind of by ourselves because a lot of the times in our off season, we're not able to train together as a team. And so 
we're kind of used to this. We're, we've kind of been trained in a way to be able to handle something like this. It just makes us that much more excited for 2021, a year that we didn't think we were going to be excited about so much. But yeah, it's, it's still crazy to think about sometimes. I'm like, wow, we have over a year until the Olympics. I thought six months was a long time. But yeah, now just adding on top of that. But it's just that much time for us to get better individually as a team. And that's just the mindset that we've been kind of taking on is just we have more time to develop we have more time to get better and see kind of how things went this past leg of the tour the past few months that we did have of tour training together and being able to make things better off of that so that's that's just the way that we've been looking at it just more time more ways that we could find ways to get better I think that's probably I mean that's the only way you can look at it in terms mm -hmm. of if you're going to be successful later you know like it's way, way easier said than done, but, but like, mm -hmm. you have to think that way. I think for you guys to be able to go into 2021 being like, all right, we thought last year was our year. It wasn't anyone's year. Turns out that 2020 is just not for anyone. So 2021, oh, yeah. like this is it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, a lot of people, they wonder about like, oh, the ages, like you guys are getting older, especially some of the older girls on our teams more in their late thirties. But I mean, I think for us as their teammates and seeing the way they train, seeing their mindset and it's, you know, it really, age really is just a number. We know that if anything, it's like, okay, this is giving them more rest and more ways to train to get better and stronger. And so for us, you know, like age is just a number and we're still going to be able to go out of the same as if it was 2020. That game doesn't know how old you are. And I think that's the case whether you're a veteran like, you know, Kat or Monica, mm -hmm. right? Or if it's your first Olympics, like some of you guys, you know, like mm -hmm. it doesn't know, like you just For put in sure. the work and it'll pan out. Yeah. That's the one thing that's been amazing about softball. I've noticed the past few years is some of the best players in the world are in their late thirties. And you know, that's incredible. And especially with a female sport, a lot of people are having to quit, retire in their early 20s, before they're 30 and stuff. And so it's been awesome to be able to see the top players in the world in their mid-30s because, you know, I don't know if that was really a thing maybe 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So it's been awesome to see how softball's grown and how some of these girls are still able to stick it out past their 30s for us. <laughs> You're now playing with people that you used to watch growing mm -hmm. up. Like, how yeah. cool is that that, you know, these different – generations of softball get to come together yeah it's awesome to be able to be able to be on the same team as Kat Oster and Monica Abbott I always mess around with them they were on my heroes page on my myspace page and <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome to be able to you know be able to be in workouts with them or be able to be in the same bullpen as them or even Kelly Kretschmann that's another person she's been along for most of the Olympics and still be able to play softball and still be in the sport. It's been awesome to be able to not only learn from her and just learn from her experience, but also be able to call her a friend and call these girls friends. It's something that I never thought that I would be doing when I was 12 years old, watching them on the couch at home. And now you're, you're living it. That's, that's awesome. So what is bullpen like? Because like you said, there's Kat and Monica, there's you, there's, I mean, that's a lot of kind of lefty love there. Then there's mm -hmm. Rachel Garcia, Ali Carta. I mean, that's a crew. Oh yeah. It's, it's really cool to be able to be in the bullpens, be able to see every girl's different type of work ethic, just because everyone is so different. You know, Monica, she's a really fast paced worker or Rachel. She's more of like laid back kind of chill and she'll do a lot more spins and stuff where 
it almost looks like Monica's workouts are cardio based for <laughs> bullpens, but, and then just being able to hear the way that like Allie is talking to her catchers and, and trying to work on different pitches every day. It seems like Allie's working on a new pitch every few weeks and stuff. And it's cool to be able to see her executing those in the games. And then obviously with Kat, you know, I'm a lot more similar to her. And so she's someone that, you know, when I'm struggling with pitches, she's always able to kind of like tell me something that really triggers for me. It's awesome to be able to have such a mix of different type of pitchers and to be able to try to like learn different things from all of them is really cool. Yeah, I wish I could just be a fly on the wall, honestly, to, <laughs> to like listen to you yeah, guys and watch you guys. It's definitely fun. And, you know, and, and like I said, like we're a big mix of pitchers. So it's really interesting to see all the girls working together and to be able to work with them. Bullpen's a special place too. Like I, I was a position player most of college, but I did actually mm -hmm. come in as a pitcher as well. So freshman year, I was okay. in the bullpen with like Missy Penna and Ashley Chen and some other Stanford pitchers. Mm -hmm. But it is special, I think, because it's like that time that pitchers get to be together, which is not all the time, right? You're on the mound alone during the game. So when you get oh, to yeah. be together, that's great. And then you're with your catchers, too. I feel like a lot of like inside jokes were born in the bullpen, you know, like oh, a lot of bonding sure. time. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, and it's almost like, it's like, I like to call it, it's like doodle work, I guess. Like it's like your scrapbook, like when you're writing notes and it's like, it's pretty messy in there, but like, you're still getting stuff done. And yeah. so, you know, it's your time to try to figure things out and then to be able to like help your other pitchers out for them to execute it in the game. It's like, wow, like that's awesome. Like you feel like you're just as much as part of that strikeout as if they are on the mound. For sure. But you know what, with that being said though, like you can hit, too, which honestly, one of my favorite things in life is pitchers who can hit. I just love it. But <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, help yourself out, right? But yeah. do you consider yourself a pitcher who hits or a hitter who pitches? I think now I'm more of a pitcher who hits, especially with how big of a staff we have now. And so it's like, you know, I'm a pitcher, and then it's like I also get to hit whenever I get the opportunity. But I think more in college, it depended on the day, you know, because. <laughs> I was in the lineup for most of the time and since we were playing most of the week. And so, you know, some days if it, I wasn't pitching well on the mound, I was a hitter who pitched and the other days <laughs> if it was vice versa. Then I was a pitcher who hit. So yeah, depending on the day mostly. You know what? That's fair. Cause sometimes you can help your, yourself out in that way too. If one thing's not great, you know, Hey, make up for it with the other oh, one. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And then when both are on, it's like, wow, this is a special day. That's the dream. Yeah. yeah it really is. <laughs> So what's better then, like getting a game-winning strikeout on the mound or getting like a walk-off game-winning hit? Ooh, I would say walk-off game-winning hit for sure. I feel like, you know, strikeouts, they happen more often in your game and stuff. Sometimes you'll have double digits, but, you know, to be able to have walk-offs, I don't think I had very many of those in my career. So that's very special. And especially because for me, everyone always identified me as a pitcher. And so for me to be able to help, the team out on the other side of things it's like hey I can do this too so yeah I think that's that's special to be able to help the team out in that way I agree I think I'm with you there <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean when you were at Oklahoma you had plenty of success um you know at the women's college world series you also I always thought about this too you got to play in Oklahoma right so it is unique mm -hmm. compared to most other teams you're playing in your state so oh, how yeah. did having a home crowd there on that stage affect you guys you know, it's funny because I get such a hard time for my teammates nowadays that, you know, they're like, oh, it's a home field. It's not fair. It's not fair. But I mean, you know, there still is pressure having to win off the home field. But it's it was interesting for me to be able to 
be back in the dugout this past year when I was a volunteer coach for OU comparative when I was playing there because I feel like when I was playing when it was 2011 2012 2013 that was when the World Series was really starting to grow and then now it's just like it's there like everyone's there and now that Oklahoma's been in the World Series so consistent the past decade you know it's almost like the crowd like knows how to be strong for them and so it's been awesome to be able to see how big the crowd's gotten and you know my first year at the World Series 2011 we're all kind of shell shock I guess um it was like our goal the whole entire time was get back to the World Series get OU back to the World Series and so my sophomore year we got to the World Series and then they brought the band out the whole band was in the stands and everyone was just like whoa like like we were kind of taken back because we didn't know how to handle it and you know the state was obviously so excited that we were back in the World Series and then I think from then the next year it was like okay that's not the goal like we know we're going to get to the World Series like the goal is to win the World Series and so on and so it's been cool to be able to see how the team's mindset has kind of transcended in that way. And then the being able to have the fans transcend that way too, and being able to be strong for the team and stuff. So, you know, it's hard because I always hear the debate that they should change the world series. It shouldn't be in Oklahoma. It's not fair, but you know, Oklahoma, we still have to make the world series. Right. You still have to get there. It's still a tough thing to do. Yeah. (laughs) It it is a central place. You know, there's, it's in the middle. You still have the Pac-12 on one side of the coast. You still have the SEC on the other side. So it's still a centralized place. So, I mean, and with it being the Hall of Fame stadium, it's just part of the culture, the tradition of softball. And so, you know, I, I don't mind, and especially don't mind being a Sooner, being able to have it in our home state. understandably why would you I mean and and you said it too like if you look at the programs who have more than one national championship obviously the Pac-12 has a ton of history over the years the Mm -hmm. SEC has a lot of recent titles and then it really is Oklahoma from there as a Mm -hmm. as an institution as a program so what's the secret to Natty Patty's success Natty Patty (laughs) I love that you just called her that I kind of stole it from you guys if I'm being honest oh no yes please (laughs) please keep saying it we're trying to get it to catch on but I don't know if anyone else is really getting I know it's trendy (laughs) okay well I think the biggest thing with coach Gasso why she's so successful she's really able to adapt to each team so well and understand what each team what different type of generation needs and she's able to you know kind of embrace embrace like what the generation is and being able to get the best out of them I guess is the best way of putting it because You know, for me, my sister, she played at OU before me. She played from 05 to 09, and then I came in after her in 2010. And being able to hear stories from her, just like how hard Coach Gasso was on them. And then I came in, and then, you know, she was like, you know, Coach Gasso, like, she's not as hard. We used to run way more. And then for me to be able to be a volunteer coach, and I'm just like, wait, we used to run way more. But, I mean, I think it's just the different approaches that she's able to get out of each team. But then, obviously – you know, this team probably wasn't running as much as our team because they did come in a lot more talented than we did. She got way better recruits nowadays. But I mean, just being able to see how each team is, she's able to approach them way differently. She's coach, she coaches the team that I was on way different than how she coaches the team now. And then even hearing about the 2000 team or the teens in the 90s, hearing different stories about her from then, just being able to see how much she's changed. Where I think, you know, you hear of coaches, 
that it's like they had success. They went to the World Series coaching this way. This is the way that works. And they keep trying to do that. And it's yeah. like, well, you got a different generation of girls. They're not going to respond the same way as the girls back then, possibly. So, yeah, I just think being able to get that response from the players has been awesome. She's been able to do. That's so true. I actually, that's such a great point. Because you do have to adapt. You have to make adjustments. Our game is about making adjustments. For sure, you know? yeah. So, and it's funny because I think about my freshman year to my senior year and like seeing how much softball, the game of softball changed and seeing from my senior year to now and just how much technology is involved, how oh much there's more of a baseball influence I feel like nowadays. And, you know, I don't think that it really was that say before I was in college back in the early 2000s. And so to be able to see her adjust to that and seeing coaches in our game, being able to adjust to the changing game of softball has been awesome to be able to see how our sport has grown so much because these coaches are able to adapt so well to it. It's so true. And I feel like the other thing too is I'm now that I'm thinking about it, you guys kind of have a lefty pitcher legacy going on at Oklahoma between you and the pages. Mm -hmm. Like that's also been like such a great pillar of the program for you guys too. Yeah, that's been really cool to be able to see. I remember when I was first getting recruited and they would always be like, oh, well, Coach Gasso, Coach Lombardi, they love their lefties. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, okay, maybe there's shot me to get recruited there. And so it's funny to be able to hear about the past lefties and be able to see their mark that they left on the program. And, you know, for me coming into the program, I wanted to be able to kind of keep that legacy going on and be able to, you know, make my fellow lefty Sooners proud in a way. And so going to Oklahoma and then seeing us start to recruit Paige and then seeing more lefties start to get interested. It's been cool to be able to see them come in and still kind of have that same attitude, you know, wanting to make their lefty sisters proud and being able to, you know, try to be at a successful program and kind of embrace what they are as a pitcher, as a lefty pitcher. So that's been really cool to see, you know, how many lefties have been introduced to the program and interested in the program to be able to continue the legacy. Yeah, so maybe for, for Patty, for Natty Patty, it's Natty a Patty. balance then <laughs> of the stuff that seems to work for the program, like maybe getting some great lefty pitchers in there, but then also making adjustments along the way. It's like kind of just a little bit of both. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's been cool to see the righty pitchers come in too. And, you know, we're always kind of known for the lefty pitchers, but to be able to see righty pitchers come in and not shy away from it, you know, I think it could have been somewhat intimidating because the only national champions were with lefty pitchers with Oklahoma, but for righties to be able to still want to be a part of that legacy, it's yeah. been cool to see them, you know, buy into it and still consider us kind of like a sooner sister in a way, even though we're lefty and they're righties. So it's yeah. been awesome to be able to, you know, kind of have the camaraderie with both sides of it. Because a legacy is not a limitation. Mm -hmm. you know? Oh, for cool. sure. And they, and the legacy is always growing. And so, you know, I'll be so excited to see that first righty to get a national championship with Oklahoma softball. <laughs> see, that's how good Oklahoma is. Now you've moved on from wanting to go to Oklahoma City in the first place to now you specifically want a right-handed pitcher to win a national <laughs> championship. That's where we're at now. <laughs> I guess so. You know, I can't get too, you know, we get spoiled with, the, with all these trips to the World Series, you know, then we just start getting picky and start getting selfish <laughs> So maybe I should humble myself with that a bit. <laughs> no, I love it. I honestly love it. With that said, though, I will challenge you a bit right now uh -oh. to say one good thing about Texas. Can you think of anything? Their barbecue. Okay. Are we talking about the state of Texas? No, UT. <laughs> say one good thing about UT. <laughs> Ooh, 
<laughs> I like that. You're trying to I'm kind like of get around it there, though. Austin has good barbecue, too, though. <laughs> um, let's see. One good thing about Texas, Kat Osterman. <laughs> I do, Mike White, is he's a great pitching coach. I got to work with him when I was on USA, and I loved working with him. So, yeah, they with him being a new coach there, you know, I think he's going to do great things. And so – I, I love that they've been able to add him and they've already made a huge impact on the Big 12. And so oh, yeah. Big 12, we've kind of, you know, we've been overlooked the past few years. I guess I'll just put it that way. But especially with the SEC and the Pac-12 being so strong and getting so much stronger. So it's awesome to be able to see the Big 12, you know, making those kind of moves. And hopefully we're, we get back up there again. <laughs> I like it. Well, so you were able to say something nice about Texas. I did, you know, not yeah. everyone can. So. <laughs> That's a win. <laughs> oh, yeah. It makes the rivalry that much more interesting. And I remember when they first hired him, I was just like, yes, OU Texas is going to be that much better again. <laughs> well, yeah, he's so interesting because I actually played with his daughter, Nyria, at Stanford okay. for a year, mm-hmm. too. And he's interesting. That was when he was at Oregon. But because he can actually throw BP, he did oh, play yeah. softball. So he can actually <laughs> simulate every pitcher that his team yep. is going to face. It's like, well, wow, That's what an phenomenal. advantage. It's unreal. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, my first USA tryout, one of the pitchers had gotten hurt, and so he filled in for that pitcher. Casual. And I think someone had, like, fouled the ball off, and you could see his competitiveness come out, and he was like, this, and he struck the girl out. I'm pretty sure he threw either a no-hitter or a one-hitter. It's like, dude, this is a tryout. We're supposed to be trying to look good here. But, you know, <laughs> he did not care. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah, he showed no mercy against Nairi, too, I remember when we played. So that, that sounds about right. That. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> oh man well okay well then fast forwarding back to now this summer I mean the Olympics have been postponed obviously but as of now the scrapyard dogs are planning to team up with the USSA pride to tour you'll mm-hmm. be a scrap a scrapyard dog wow I need to <laughs> it's a mouthful, <laughs> it's a mouthful. Yeah. scrapyard dog this year <laughs> with some of your USA teammates so what's most mm-hmm. exciting to you about this I think, you know, there's two big exciting things for two different reasons. I think one thing is just being able to see Scrapyard Dogs and USSA Pride, being able to work together, being able to keep growing the game that way. I think that's just the one thing that our professional sport and being able to go to the next level, it's just there's so many different options. And so for them to be able to work together, especially with some of the top talent, is it's going to be an awesome start for for what's to come and so I'm excited for that to see where that goes and then also with Scrapyard Dogs they picked up most of us that I think two players are going to be playing in the MPF and then the college girls obviously can't play pro and so for us to be able to continue to work together train together and be able to compete together is going to be awesome to be able to do that this summer just because you know with the postponement of the Olympics we thought okay we're not going to really be competing this summer like how are we just going to keep training by ourselves? And so obviously if this whole pandemic ends up getting delayed a little bit longer, we won't be able to do it. But as long as everything goes well, hopefully we do have that opportunity to be able to continue to train this summer to look forward. Literally everything's up in the air with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. It's just totally out of everyone's control. But like you said, I totally agree. It's a good sign, even if it's not something that you guys end up getting to do because of things that are out of your control. Mm-hmm. The fact that they are trying to collaborate, because you make such a good point, it, pro softball is a bit disjointed, and that makes it harder for people to follow it easily, mm-hmm. you know, if there's like not a ton of consistency. So 
I'm totally with you. I think it's really cool that people are starting to work together more. For sure. And I think, especially with USA and USA, I know they started work more together. They started joining some of their tournaments. And so this past, I don't know if it was January or February, they did a little event. It was at a USA tournament where we, some of the USA softball girls came out, some of the pride girls came out, and we just kind of interacted with the girls a bit. And so that was really cool to be able to come together to do that. And then we we're supposed to do the same thing at a USA tournament later this year. And so for to be able to see steps like that going forward before the Olympics is even happening is really a good sign for after the Olympics. So I'm excited to see just how everything is coming together with more and more organizations with the top athletes being able to work together that way. You were actually with the Pride for years too. So mm-hmm. what was your experience like there and with the NPF? My experience with Pride was awesome. I got drafted by them and so I played with them. I came halfway through the season in 2013 and I played up until last year. I was kind of off and on the past few years since I was on USA, but my relationship with them has been great and just the opportunity with them. That's when I first got introduced to, you know, the likes of Kat Osterman, Natasha Watley, Caitlin Lowe, Kelly Kretschmann, Andrea Duran. Being able to play with Olympians right away coming into my pro season was really cool to be able to have that opportunity um in and just being able to learn from them and being able to grow as a player you know as coming from college softball it was you know you kind of think you're on top of the world but then you come into pro softball and you're like whoa everyone's (laughs) really good you know one through nine you don't get a break in these lineups and so it was definitely a growing period getting used to the MPF in that way and so with USA pride being able to have the opportunity to play with so many great athletes being able to be in great bullpens again with with these pitchers was awesome for me to be able to grow and you know get better for my main goal of trying to get on the USA team for 2020 with USA pride working with scrapyard it's been cool to be able to you know uh, transition from USA pride to scrapyard because you know I'm t- I told them I'm like I'm pretty much doing this to train with USA still train with my teammates right. and so they're totally okay with it because it's not so much a league right now where they're competing against Scrapyard or anything. They're working with them. And so they're like, yeah, we totally understand. That's been awesome to be able to, you know, still stay with my USA teammates for this year because that was the plan originally. That's important. That to me is a sign too that everybody's thinking softball first, right? Which is Mm -hmm. exactly what we all need right now. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) So you played in the Japanese Pro League too. And obviously the Olympics are going to be in Tokyo. So th- there's so many just layers to and, and kind of crossovers from your experience. So, But how would you compare American Pro Fast Pitch to the Japanese Pro League? Um, I think the biggest difference is their league is a lot more developed, I would say, I guess, which is, I want to say there's about 12 teams in the league. And so they have an upper league and then they have a lower division league too, where it's like, we're still kind of struggling to have that one league where we have between like four teams to five, six, seven teams. But yeah, yeah, so they have a developed league where there's 12 teams in that league. And then there's a bottom league. I don't, I'm not sure how many teams are in the bottom league, but they, all the teams are teams that, that come from like corporate businesses. So I played for Toyota Industries. Monica and Natasha Watley, they played for Toyota Motors. And then there's Hitachi and there's a bank, there's a hospital. So everyone was like sponsored by different companies. And so that was really cool to be able to see. And you know, that's how pretty much their 
all their professional leagues go over there, their baseball, rugby, and they had men's fastage as well. And it's, it's really cool to see just how much of a fan base they had. So for us, for Toyota Industries, you know, we'd, whenever we'd go play where we thought was the middle of nowhere, we would still get hundreds of fans because there was a big old Toyota Industries plant out there. And so all the workers would be able to come out and support us. And so it was cool to be able to see, you know, thinking about the games where we didn't have that many fans, it was still only like, oh, there's only 200 people here where if we get 200 people in a pro game in America, you know, it's like, wow, we have a lot of people today. Yeah. So it was cool to be able to see how much people loved coming out to support the league and support softball. And, um, you know, and and the big games were just that much more exciting. And those big games started getting a little bit bigger when we started getting closer to 2020. And at the last championships I was at back in 2018, it was in Tokyo and we had easily over 10,000 people there. And so that was really awesome to be able to see the country rallying around softball, softball back in the Olympics as we were getting closer to 2020. That's so cool. The crowd makes it, it's the energy, right? So it makes such a big difference. And you're coming from the World Series, being a national champion with mm-hmm. Oklahoma, also, again, in your home state. So you have kind of that home crowd feel too, like, the NPF is it's tough to get the crowds out and it reminds me mm-hmm. of you know in a league of their own when Tom Hanks is like dozens of people are waiting for the game to start you know yes. you're kind of like in that in that zone but then you get to play in front of thousands again like that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah and I think that was one of the hardest transitions too with MPF you know with college it's like you're kind of getting used to all these big old crowds at your games and then when you go to MPF you know sometimes we only had about like Kelly's parents were in the stands and then our owners in the stands and that was about it and so just being able to try to like think of the games as seriously as college but obviously you know you don't have that crowd there and so it's hard to really take games as seriously and so that was a hard transition for me to kind of get used to and it's just like okay you just like this is the new normal for our game you know being able to have that intensity even if there's no one in the stands so that was yeah. the hard part about professional league here. And I think that was one of the main things was why I wanted to keep going back to Japan. Obviously, like we were treated as professionals there and being able to have a long season and being able to, you know, put so much time into training for it to be the best athlete I could be on the softball field, but also just how big the games felt there. It made it that much more exciting as an athlete. People don't realize too, like you say you're a professional athlete, people make a lot of assumptions about what that means. Oh, okay, that must be pretty cushy, easy. But with softball, it's just not the case. I mean, you play on a pro team, whether that's the MPF, Japan, whatever it is, you might be an assistant coach somewhere during the school year in college, you mm-hmm. give lessons, you might have sponsorships, like there's a lot of different pieces to kind of put it all together to make a career. So it is kind of complicated. For sure. And I think that's the one thing that's so sad about being a softball player, like a professional softball player, is just having to hang up the cleats that much earlier because that is our reality is that we have to try to find some way, some kind of side job. If we don't get the opportunity to play overseas, we have to find a way to survive to be able to, you know, afford training in the off season and being able to afford being able to live, be adults. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Families. Yeah. Yeah, All of that. For sure like we've talked about a little bit, there's the potential there, like with how much the game has grown over these years, you know, even since we were in college to now Mm -hmm. here you are in USA, just that time span, how much it's changed, how much it seems to change every year. Like, I do think we're on a positive trajectory as a sport. Yeah, of course. And especially with 
the college game being so popular and with it being a revenue sport now, that's so exciting. Yes. So for that to slowly transition, it's been a slow transition to professional softball, but once that starts transitioning and professional softball just starts to take off, you know, that'll be an exciting time for our sport. It will. It definitely will. Mm-hmm. Well, I have one more question for you. It's kind of just a fun, short little game. It's called Safer Out. So basically I'll, I'll bring something up that's softball related and you'll tell me it's safe. If you like it, you agree with it. Or if you don't like it, you're like, nah, I can't really get behind that. You'll say that it's out. Does that make sense? Okay. So do I explain my reasonings behind these? You can. I thought we were going to do people. I thought you were, we were going to be comparing athletes. I'm like, uh-oh. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not that savage, at least not yet. All right. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, so make your call first, and then you All can right. give me the reason. All right. Okay. The topic is white gear on a softball field. So a glove, cleats, sunglasses, all Rawlings, of course. Yes, safe. Okay. Because I have a white glove. <laughs> <laughs> I love white and I, for some reason, I just love the all white uniforms. It gets dirty. It sucks, but you know, it kind of teaches us how to take care of our stuff a little more. <laughs> it's true. You do have to respect your equipment. People mm-hmm. like, yeah, you need to, res- especially your yeah, gloves. I started like having a glove bag <laughs> when I was younger. I just throw it in the dugout and you know, now I have like a glove bag. I think I learned that from Japan. They're super clean about all their equipment, but yeah, it does teach us that. <laughs> Yeah, because people have, you know, strong opinions, I think, about white on dirt, right? But I think it's kind of a flex, actually. You're like, yeah, I, I'm, I know how to take care of my equipment. Like, I'm, Oh, yeah. I'm, it looks you know. so much cleaner when it's, when it's surrounded by the brown dirt around you, too, <laughs> <laughs> if you're able to keep it clean. <laughs> right. Did I hear a rumor, too, that you almost took it down the aisle with you when you got married? Is that true? You know, I, so I brought it for my wedding day and I was like, oh yeah, like we can get some pictures with it. So I put it on and I was like, you know what, this feels like, like, you know, you have to get those wedding nerves. And so the whole day I was feeling all nervous and stuff. And then I put my glove on. It was almost like, I'm ready to go. Like, Perfect. I was like, yeah, I might walk down the aisle with this. Like now I feel ready to go. <laughs> oh man. Almost. Oh, I love but, that. No, my mom would have killed me if I didn't bring those flowers down the aisle. <laughs> You're married to the game, mom. Okay. Exactly. I have two <laughs> marriages going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, this was so awesome, Kaylani. Thank you for joining. This has been so fun yeah, to catch up. Of course. Thanks for having me. This is cool. <laughs> so much fun talking with Kaylani. She really is a double duty player on both sides of the ball. And on that note, I want to transition into the double play tip of the week. It's also double duty in a different way, looking at both the physical and mental side of the game. Now, at the beginning of the interview with her, we talked about our mutual love of chocolate. And so it got me thinking about food because we all got to eat. So this week's double play tip is about something that we all think about every day, multiple times a day, especially as an athlete, and that's nutrition. So the idea is to keep it simple. And I mean that in two ways. Physically, it's pretty straightforward. You have to eat. Food fuels your body. And of course, the higher quality that fuel is, the better your body performs. And there are so many diets to follow. People have allergies, different appetites. There's so many different things. But it really comes down to physically putting something in your body. And you want to be reasonable in terms of the amount of food that you eat, the frequency that you're eating at, the types of food you're eating. Ideally, you have some sort of lean protein, fruits and veggies, healthy fats. 
It's really the usual that any nutritionist would tell you. But step one is to actually eat. And something is better than nothing. So if you're heading to a workout, for example, you don't really have food in the house. Your only option is to either eat a Snickers bar or not eat anything. Eat the Snickers bar. It's better to have fuel, even if it's not the best fuel, than no fuel at all. It's like a car, you know, it can run on cheap gas, but it can't run on no gas. So fuel yourself before your workouts to have the energy to spend and after workouts to refuel your body after it's depleted. But keep perspective with it, you know, be reasonable. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. You know, life happens. So just keep it simple. Eat something because something is better than nothing. Now, mentally, the way that we think about that something also has a huge impact. There are ways to think about food and approach it that can help you make the healthier choices because really, ultimately, you don't always want to be eating a Snickers bar. You want to eat a rainbow. And what that means is if you look down at your plate, the more colors you see, the better. The more balanced your meal probably is. You've most likely incorporated fruits and healthier choices that tend to be more naturally colorful and have nutrients. If you have some greens, carrots, blueberries, great. Green, orange, and blue, there you go. You're getting started. But if you look down at your plate and you see that everything is just a different shade of brown, then it's not likely a very balanced meal. Might just be different types of chocolate, or you could be looking at meat, potatoes and gravy, and some bread, and it's not even Thanksgiving. So keeping the rainbow in mind can help. That's the physical and mental side of basic nutrition. Keep it simple. Something is better than nothing. Eat a rainbow. That's the double play tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, available everywhere you get your pods, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and Believe.com. Keep subscribing, rating, and sharing. Keep hitting me up on Twitter at JennaBecerra01 and also on Instagram at JennaBecerra. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.